What is up, DGAFers? All right, you guys, we have an amazing guest. I love when we have guests. We don't have them often, but we meet some awesome people on Instagram. And I met Melanie Faulkner randomly. I just really liked her vibe on Instagram. And then I saw that she was into health and fitness and all of that. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to message her. I have no idea what I said to her the first time. Probably just something really embarrassing. But I was like a fangirl of what she had going on. So we got into conversation and she is just super knowledgeable about nutrition and mental health because she's gone through some struggles. Um, And I'm just super excited for you guys to hear her story. And then we're also going to do a part two where she dives deeper into nutrition and mental um, health. Yes. So this is the first time we've really done a a two-part podcast with a guest. But as we were doing our first call with Melanie a few weeks ago, and we were just kind of chatting about her story we did not think it would be possible. Honestly, it would be doing a disservice to her and to you to only do this in one episode. Yeah. Because her story, she is a pancreatic transplant survivor. And it is unbelievable just what she went through to get to this And her mindset through the whole thing, I was blown away by because she went through a lot of discomfort and pain and just not having answers. And just her overall, like, mindset with the whole thing just blew me away. Me so too. you guys will hear it when she tells her story. So in, in this first episode, you're really going to hear most of her story. Um, and then part two, we'll go into more health, nutrition, mindset, all of that. Yes. So All right. So after you listen, uh, take a screenshot and tag us and Melanie in your Instagram stories if you listen. So I'm at Lauren Mayer underscore fitness. I'm at fit with underscore Jenna Locke. Melanie is at Melanie M-E-L-A-N-I-E Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E, and then three R's. And tag her. Also, we want you to just kind of share your insight with all this. Like how how can you kind of learn from her story in terms of mental strength and all of that? And also, if you have any similarities that uh, like with her story, maybe you have gone through the same thing or maybe you have been feeling some type of way that you know something's wrong and you just haven't been able to figure it out. And, and this podcast maybe helped you go do the research or, you know, see more doctors and things like that. So definitely let us know. Yeah. Also go ahead and rate and review us too. Um, so if you just scroll down, there's little stars on the podcast app on iTunes. Um, and you can also write us a review and, and even write a review and, and speak to Melanie. Cause we can definitely send those to her as well. Yep. So last thing before we jump into her story, She has an awesome website that's launching. We're going to tag this in our show notes, but it's www.lifeofpow.com. And that's launching in September, September 1st. It's all about just pain management and mindset and just living with disease. So make sure you check that out too. Yes. All right. right. Let's do this. Welcome to the Demand Growth Act Fearlessly podcast brought to you by Lauren Mayer and Jenna Lockhart. You guys, we are just two average girls who realize that the only way to truly live an exceptional life was to fight through our fears and never give up on our dreams. So when you hang with us, you're going to hear it all. The good, the bad, the the ugly, and everything in between. As our loyal listeners, you're going to be known as a DGA-er, like don't give a boop. 
or get it. <laughs> oh, but really, we want you to think about this because you're one of two types. You're either a DGAFer who doesn't realize the importance of living a life of growth or change, or you're a DGAFer who doesn't give a bloop what it takes to reach your goals. Our hope is that we can turn you into the latter if you're not already there. All right, we are here with Melanie Faulkner, and we actually met her on Instagram. I feel like all of our guests that we have on, we meet from Instagram just because we've had genuine connections, whether it's somebody in business kind of trying to figure their way out, or it's somebody who's super passionate about health and fitness. And we just want you guys to hear from other people (laughs) other than us, especially people who have like gone through specific things and have overcome obstacles, but also like have like a niche of, you know, she's like very knowledgeable about nutrition. We did a call before this recording this podcast and we're like, um, we should have recorded that. It was so good. It was so good. But I, I think too, this just goes to show you the power of social media and who you can connect with because I, you know, I think I think right now there's a stigma with social media being a negative thing. And I just love us, how we're using it for the positive. Yes. Because this is amazing. For sure. So we're going to have Melanie, we're going to do like two parts to this podcast episode because, you know, there's a lot of information that we want you guys to get from her. And so the first thing we're going to do is kind of have her tell you her story on how she got so passionate about nutrition and how she kind of works with people through that. And then we're going to transition into probably a little bit more nutrition and talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. So Melanie, take it away. Thank you. So I'm Melanie. Um, I live in Texas and I am, I wear multiple different hats. So by day I'm an HR manager for Pavilion in the Woodlands. And then at night I also do nutrition and CrossFit coaching. Um, So a lot of my Um, nutrition passion has stemmed from growing up. Um, I was born and raised with apparently tons of medical issues. So from a young age, acid reflux disease, multiple ulcers at a very young age, under about 10 with stomach ulcers. And then from that age, I basically molded into more gastro issues that never really got an answer to. Um, I was in and out of the doctor's offices all growing up, not only from Texas, but we went to Boston and we went to Arizona, just trying to find any solution. A lot of my pain stemmed from just discomfort, but no doctor was able to either find it from a test or tell me that anything was wrong with me. They basically dismissed me at every route because my, my numbers looked good or I was just fine and I was still maintaining a normal life. So I was still going to school, still playing Uh, elite volleyball and training for that. So my life didn't change just because I had pain. I just kind of evolved my pain into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But it got to the point uh, about, I would say, freshman year of college is when I got severely sick. So it kind of hit its toll where I got severe pains that lasted over two months and I didn't eat anything. And I was vomiting. I mean, everything under the sun, um, for two months straight of just nothing but, 
basically bread and water. Um, and I do want to mention that before I was always growing up being kind of a heavier person. Um, so I did struggle with a lot of weight and body dysmorphia from that just because I love food and I didn't really have a diet or anyone to really guide me down that path either. And I loved fried food and sweet tea. I mean, Southern girls, that's what I liked. <laughs> um, manifesting its own way as well. But when I was a freshman, that's when I got severely sick and I lost um, 30 pounds within 30 days, which is not a good way to do it ever. Uh, I never recommend that. Um, and then from there, within the next three months, I lost a total of 60 pounds. And that was just from I couldn't figure out what's going on. Um, wow. Severe pain, I just everything. And that was in the middle of college. So that was its own battle. So were you, were you living on campus during this time or were you, you were living on campus? Wow. Yeah, I was living. um, So my freshman year, I went to UT Dallas, which is obviously University of Texas at Dallas. And that's where I played volleyball there. And so I was on that team there and I lived by myself. Well, I lived with the girls, but obviously on campus, um, obviously my mother and I was really close with them and we, we had all these doctors, but when I went there, nothing was wrong. Mm -hmm. Or if I would go to the hospital they would say, oh, well, you're not that bad because my pain would subside at that exact time. Um, so I just kept going around the world of, oh, it's just constipation or it's just acid. Yeah. Well, it clearly wasn't. Um, so I got through that severe sickness, but that actually changed my diet 100% that time because I realized I couldn't eat anything. So I couldn't eat fried food, which I loved. I couldn't eat French fries. I couldn't eat fast food. Then actually it was, I'll never forget, it was March of 2010 when I actually, that was the last time I ever had fried food or fast food. Um, It was a complete 180 obviously for the better because I felt so much healthier Mm -hmm. as I was bringing in more vegetables and as I was bringing more whole food. Um, but it was still hard because I, I loved I mean, I was a college athlete, so I had to get just food. I just needed calories. Um, so I kind of subsided from a medical like issue perspective, but as I got older and kind of moved through when I finally transferred and I made it over to Baylor, um, that's where I ended and finished out my degree. Um, my junior year is when I got severely gaunt. So I lost more weight and just my color changed. I felt okay, but I was also in that mindset of I have to do school. I have to do volleyball. I have to do this, this, this. I have to build my resume. Right. Like my parents were just fully driving me. Of, if you don't hit a certain GPA, then you're not going to get a certain career. So I was just always in that. You just kind of work with it. I just can't imagine trying to balance all of that. And feeling like death. Right. No. And <laughs> so, Melanie, do you feel like anyone in your life really knew how how bad you were feeling? Or did you kind of mask some of this? Oh, I totally did. So it was – that's one of the part of, like, why I, I really want to speak to a lot of people because – one, I didn't have anyone else that was going through this kind of pain. And two, no one really knows the physical pain that I was going through. Mm-hmm. And so it was about 10 years in that that 10,000 hour aspect of me mentally working with God to fight this pain. So I didn't believe pain medication just because I don't want to be under, I didn't like the mental state of pain medication at all. Mm-hmm. Plus I all, I'm a firm believer of me and God are way more powerful than anything that I can ingest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes practice and error. And so I would mentally work on how to push out pain and physically say, I can overcome this or I can push it away for a time being, which is good because I'm able to still maintain my life. But at the same time, I'm only hurting 
myself if I'm not listening to my body. Right. Um, and then it was also very frustrating because all the doctors told me that I was perfectly fine and that the pain was in my head. Which, so did no. you did you ever start to kind of second guess yourself with any of this when they kept telling you that? I really never second guessed myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was just a firm believer of like I know who I am and I'm confident in myself. Um, that I'm not going to now, it just may be that I'm not going to find the answer right now. Right. And it's just not in the cards that the doctor is going to be there. But if God wants me healthy, he'll put the doctors there just in his time, not my time. How? That's awesome. Because I feel like a lot of people would be like, am I like this? Maybe I'm like, they would listen to the doctor and be like, nothing's wrong. Cause the doctor's always right. And so that's powerful because I've, I mean, me growing up too, I had always thought everything that the doctors were telling me was exactly what it was. And, you know, getting older and figuring out that you have to get multiple opinions (laughs) because you just never know. 100% agree. And like my biggest thing that I say, which I'm going to, I continue to talk with my future blog about is you have the power when you go to the doctor and I consider doctors, and this is very loose and I hope doctors don't get mad if I say this, but doctors are like, restaurants. You have to go and try them out and Mm -hmm. you may not like every single restaurant that you go to. So you may not find that same doctor that you're going to like and connect with. Um, It's trial and error to see who you find um, that you connect with and that will support you and be willing to do the things that uh, you or that that's outside their realm. Mm -hmm. So having it because the body is so diverse. We don't know the the body is the biggest mystery. We know more about the ocean than we typically do about our bodies. And as we are trying, I mean, medicine is constantly evolving. So having a doctor that's willing to converge with the trends and do that research is something that I always seek, but you may have to trial and error. And then you go into the level of, well, will insurance not cover? And that's its own beast in itself, mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to manifest that. And we, and that's another aspect of dealing with insurance and how to, when you have a disease. So when I, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So I got diagnosed um, with a combination of a nun who actually ended up coming into my life, who presented a organ that we didn't know existed, which is the pancreas. Um, my mom actually knew this nun who worked with her and she just was like, well, what about the pancreas? Wow. Um, that her sister had a pancreas issue. And we were like, well, we don't even know what the heck that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's explore it. And then we went to our insurance and said, what organ have we not exhausted? pancreas was one on the list of the organs that we haven't like fully seen a doctor. Um, and that presented, okay, well let's do more research. And so, and when I went to see a, a pancreatic specialist and not a gastroenterologist, um, but a pancreatic specialist outside of diabetes, because diabetes is pancreas. That's one asset of the pancreas. Um, he basically, uh, identified me as having chronic pancreatitis. And then I got diagnosed with that. And he was saying that I was having chronic pancreatitis since birth. Wow. And I was born with it based off a gene mutation. So all my pain and all my childhood, it wasn't necessarily that I was having chronic pancreatitis and like really, very excessive, severe, but all of the gastro malfunctions leading up to it manifested into severe chronic pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in college and had that episode my freshman year, that was when it became acute pancreatitis, which is just more of an attacks on the pancreas. Um, so once I fully got relatively diagnosed because 
with medicine, um, it's still the beginnings of understanding what's going on. Um, and there's not enough specific tests that can be done to see if you actually are having pancreatitis. It's kind of a, we think that's what it is, um, based off of historical data, Mm -hmm. we think that's what it is. Um, and what kind of the symptoms that people are having and similar, um, it's really hard to find tests. So once I got diagnosed with that, that kind of leveraged in, okay, well, what do we do now? Um, and the only route after that is basically being dependent on pain medication. And if you've ever, you probably have heard chronic pancreatitis or pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Pancreatic cancer is like one of the leading death or, or highest death, um, I guess, dying of cancer is pancreas because once you get it, you basically don't really have the goods way out of it. Um, so I was either going to be dependent on pain medication, have diabetes within 10 years, and potentially have chronic, or have pancreatic cancer in my lifetime. Um, so that was kind of what I was prompted with. Oh my God. Uh, at age 21. Um, and they had created this brand new transplant in the, and it was in its very beginning stages. Um, only three centers in the world do this transplant um, at the time, uh, specialized in it. And it was a total pancreatomy and auto islet cell transplant. So my senior year going into uh, basically the end of my fall, going into my spring semester senior year, I decided to have the total transplant uh, at the University of South Carolina in uh, Medical University of South Carolina. Wow. Wonderful place. Um, I The transplant consisted of removing half my stomach, my spleen, my gallbladder, my pancreas, and five feet of intestines and completely rerouting me. Um, nothing went back in besides they liquefied my weird way to say it. Doctors are probably going to hate me by saying that. <laughs> Simple terms. Uh, liquefied by my pancreas and extracted the islet cells, which regulate the beta cells, which is the insulin regulation, and put those cells onto my liver. Mm-hmm. And so that was the transplant part, but nothing foreign went back in me. It was basically my own cells going in, but that's its own aspect of they don't know if those cells are actually going to wake up again or if they're going to stay dormant. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, um, those cells, because once they're basically removed, your boss, your body goes into a basically state of like toxin and like, oh my God, you have moved so much stuff. I'm going to go to sleep. Um, and they hope that they wake up. Um, mine thankfully did. And I have a ton of my islet cells on my um, liver. And so I don't need insulin, but I manage it. And I have um, kind of a type three diabetes, which is a doctor induced diabetes. Um, and so Based off of going through that, my my nutrition, I already liked it from dealing with it my whole life, mm-hmm. um, but it just made me more invested in it. And then also post, my diet has never been the same since, and my body's completely changed and really understanding what my body needs and how it works. Mm-hmm. So not having a pancreas, you don't have, I don't have the enzymes to break down my food. So understanding that the stomach basically breaks on your food, but your pancreas gives the enzymes to allow your nutrients to be absorbed into your body. Um, and a lot of it's just trial and error and really trying to figure out what works best for my body and understanding that no two bodies are the same. Right. Um, and so that's what kind of crafted my knowledge into learning more about nutrition your story is just on it's awesome believable i'm just so, like sitting here like i know in awe. i know so, and i've already heard it <laughs> me too i know but i'm still in awe so if you would have fried food now mm. how what would happen yeah uh, okay so a couple of things um 
instant bloat, discomfort, stomach pain, cramping galore. I mean, we're talking high levels. Now I do, I'm for the rest of my life going to be dependent on an enzyme. So everyone's body secretes three different enzymes whenever they ingest a protein or a fat. Um, carbohydrates don't really need an enzyme to break them down because it's just a simple sugar. Um, but those enzymes your body needs uh, and secretes those to break it down. So I take a pill to do that. And if I didn't take that pill, food would just completely pass right through me and I would not be here much longer than probably two weeks. Wow. Um, so I'm dependent on that medic medication. Uh, it's actually a pig enzyme. So it's something that's like really chemically made up. It's just a, from a pig, um, which is amazing. Um, and so I would have to take that mandatory. And the more I take of that, that would help to assist with the breakdown. Um, but it would be severe bloating, discomfort. Um, to give you an idea, one time I had a do y'all have anything but cake? But yes, yes, nothing so good. Yeah, nothing <laughs> but cakes. This is not my an, favorite cake. Not ever. an ad, but an ad. Yeah, you go need to get <laughs> go buy those cakes. They're amazing. So good. Um, so I loved them. I loved carbs before bread was like yeah. my thing. Um, so post surgery, I went to buy some for my husband. My husband loves them. And I, when I was in the store, they had a little sample and which is literally like an inch mm -hmm. little square. I had one bite and that put me out for three hours and severe, like on my back pain. And then for the next three days, I just couldn't get my stools and my bowels to work the right way. And ever since then, I was like, it's not even a a chance. I'm not even going to go down that path. It's great for the food aversion because I have no desire to have carbs now. Uh, well, not kind of carbs um, from the food, but yeah, it's just not worth it. Now I will say though, every kind of month is different. So I've kind of evolved in what I like to have. They typically say my style surgery, fats and proteins are very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but you can maintain the goal is that you can maintain about a 75% normal diet. Um, That's I'm a little more lim limited on that because I had already stomach issues to start. So it's more or less what my gastro side wants to work on, but, mm -hmm. um, I'm constantly evolving and changing the style and I'm, I'm big on everyone's different. There's no one set diet for everybody. Um, I wish it was the case. Life would be so much easier and I probably could make a ton of money if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah um, seriously. It doesn't work that way. That's and just so true. finding out what your body needs. Some people are more carb sensitive. Some people are more fat. And so that's mm -hmm. why the keto works really good for some people. Um, and just constantly learning and, and crafting. Yeah. Well, Melanie, I think what I am most impressed with just from your story and about you is how much you research on your own. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I feel like you, I mean, when we did our last call, you were saying like you went into your doctor's appointments knowing more about your digestive system than your doctors did because you had to. You had to be this advocate for yourself mm -hmm. because you knew yeah. something was wrong. 100%. And a lot of that though is it, you can go too far. So really researching this study, I'm just kind of a nerd with this stuff too where I love it. But looking at the data and not only what the results are of a of some tests or results that get out there, like you know, animal protein's bad because of this study. 
okay, great. Well, what does that study actually consist of? And right. what are the people that they're pulling? Because understanding what, where they're getting that data and what that, that environment is from is so important that you're not just listening to someone just because one study is pushed out. Right. Um, and then also knowing that what you may know today may change tomorrow. Um, a lot has come out recently more that I've been doing more research to on vegetables and how bad they actually are. Um, to give you an idea, when I probably the last two years, I used to be dependent on broccoli. I love broccoli mm -hmm. to the point where I think I may have told you my wedding cake was a broccoli cake. That's oh my God. <laughs> Not kidding you. It was literally a, well, I mean, it wasn't full broccoli, but it had um, broccoli coming out of it. And it was like a thing. And everyone knows me and my broccoli. I would eat it for breakfast, my snack, my dinner. Oh my God. I loved it. Because you're, you, I mean, you grow up knowing broccoli is like the healthiest food and it's negative net calories. So more the merrier. Come to find out that was probably one of the biggest sources of my bloating and my gut um, biome being completely off and is actually causing more pain and more discomfort and ruining my intestines by eating the broccoli. Mm -hmm. um, and that there's, there's a level of too much fiber and mm -hmm. that we shouldn't actually need to have as much fiber as we think that we need very minimal amount to even none to mm -hmm. even to the point where fiber is not even needed in your body. Um, and that, you know, that's just changed over the last maybe year. Um, mm -hmm. And ever since I stopped it, it game changer for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I only eat maybe a vegetable at lunch and it's a small amount and that's all that I consume. Um, and I'm still healthy growing. The big thing though, that I think that I'll always stay on at least, and I really hope it doesn't change because I'm a big advocate for it is protein. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs protein from the body perspective. And so that I'll probably write out to the day I die. So I really liked when we talked a little bit, um, on Instagram was just like how you really work with people just like customizing their nutrition to them. And so what I want to get into is we'll probably have to start with part two here in a second. So we're going to probably end this and then we'll record another episode. I want to get into just kind of like, how do you do this? Like, how do you figure out what's right for somebody or what was right for you? And like, what are some action steps people can maybe take to kind of help figure this out? Cause I know it can be overwhelming. Like, what do you start doing like mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what works best for your body. And not only that, but too, I want to make sure that we talk about the mental aspect of all mm -hmm. of this because you, I mean, you have some serious mental strength. Yeah. A lot, a lot for sure. So we'll definitely dive into both of those things um, in part two. So that was Melanie's story and we are going to transition. So stay tuned for next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> so Melanie, anything to add before we about your story before we move on? No, I, I'm excited to to dive into both of those questions, the mental side and the kind of the pattern out of what to do. The biggest thing though, is that it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. So um, just buckle up and we'll write it out together. Yes. And I just wanted to mention one thing. So uh, Melanie has a website coming out. Okay. So www.lifeofpow.com. Um, it's launching September 1st, 2019. She's really going to be talking a lot about on that site, like living with disease, pain management, health and wellness and all of that. So if you want to dive a little bit deeper, check that website out September 1st. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Let's go to part two. Yes. <laughs>